0: science today we understand the importance of the entire culture of science as we struggle to come out through the pandemic isn't it doing science with principles of ethics is the bedrock of scientific activity the society trusts that the results and the projected outcome of any scientific activity is based on an honest attempt by the entire scientific community. Honesty is a virtue in science because it is essential for the satisfaction of curiosity, for reliability. It is a practiced effort that is important for discovering truths about the natural world. And we've had so many scientists who have worked round the clock to help the entire world come out of this nightmare of the corona pandemic and to name one scientist we really have to look at his profile his childhood to understand what it takes to make a scientist like for example Richard H. E. Bright he's an American molecular biologist he is the Board of Governors Professor at Chemistry and Chemical Biology at Rutgers University and Laboratory Director at the Walksman Institute of Microbiology. However, we have to understand that scientists are not made overnight. Even Richard E. Bright did not become a scientist overnight. Let's read about his entire scientific journey from childhood to understand how these scientists do such wonderful work in the entire world. Save humanity, help humanity. Let's have a look at the childhood of Richard A. Bright. At the age of 22, a former scout of the year excited the scientific world with a new theory on how cells work. Now, can we imagine science without cell? Division of cell? No. So, Richard H. Ebright and his college roommate explained the theory in an article in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science it was the first time this important scientific journal had ever published the work of college students in sports that would be like making the big leagues at the age of 15 and hitting a home run your first time at bat now what's this what is this comparison a home run in the game of baseball is when the batter scores a run after running safely around all bases and back to the home plate without stopping. A ball hit out of the playing field is also called a home run. Getting a paper published at the age of 15 in a scientific journal is here compared to scoring a home run while batting for the first time quite an achievement, isn't it? For Richard E. Bright, it was the first in a long string of achievements in science and other fields. And it all started with butterflies. Can you recall the name of a few butterflies? Well, you see, there are species and subspecies of butterflies. Let's recall some of the butterflies, those beautiful butterflies fluttering on the flowers. We have the gossamer winged butterflies and to name a few subspecies, the bronze copper butterfly, the bog copper butterfly, purplish copper butterfly, we have melissa blue and silvery blue. We also have the snout butterfly, we have the wood nymphs, eyed brown, wood nymph grayling butterfly, then we have monarchs, monarch or milkweed. Then we have whites and sulphurs, Olympia, cloudless sulphur butterfly, European cabbage butterfly. Then we have another category, brush-footed butterflies. To name a few, we have morning cloak, we have painted lady, we have buckeye, we have viceroy, we have red spotted purple butterfly and hackberry butterfly. Now you see, an only child, abright grew up north of Reading in Pennsylvania. There wasn't much I could do there, he said. I certainly wouldn't play football or baseball with a team of one. You can't play with a team of one, right? But there was one thing I could do. Collect things. We all have done that, right? Collect coins, collect stamps, collect seashells. So, what did Richard Apride collect? So he did, and he did ever. Beginning in kindergarten, Bright collected butterflies with the same determination that has marked all his activities. He also collected rocks, fossils, and coins. He became an eager astronomer too, sometimes stargazing all night. <laughs> So, from the first, Richard had a driving curiosity along with a bright mind. I think to be a good scientist or good in any profession that you choose, you need to be curious and you need to have a sharp, a bright mind. Now, Richard also had a mother who encouraged his interest in learning. She took him on trips, bought him telescopes, microscopes, cameras, mounting materials and other equipment and helped him in many other ways. I think mothers play a big role in building children, right? So what did his mother say? She said, I was his only companion until he started school. After that, I would bring home friends for him. But at night, we just did things together. Richie was my whole life after his father died, when Richie was in third grade. So, Richard's mother and Richard spent almost every evening at the dining room table. So, she says, if he didn't have things to do, I found work for him. Not physical work, of course, but learning things, Richard's mother says. He liked it. He wanted to learn. I think this is one big quality in a person who wants to be successful. You should be willing to learn and Richard was always willing to learn. And learn? Richard definitely did. He earned top grades in school. On everyday things, he was just like every other kid, Richard's mother says. By the time he was in the second grade, Ebright had collected all 25 species of butterflies found around his hometown That probably would have been the end of his butterfly collecting. This is what Richard says. But then his mother got Richard a children's book called The Travels of Monarch 10. That book which told how monarch butterflies migrate to Central America opened the world of science to the eager young collector. At the end of the book, Readers were invited to help study butterfly migrations. They were asked to tag butterflies for research by Dr. Frederick A. Urquhart of the University of Toronto, Canada. Ebright's mother wrote to Dr. Urquhart and soon Ebright was attaching light adhesive tags to the wings of monarchs. Anyone who found a tag butterfly was asked to send the tag to Dr. Urquhart the butterfly collecting season, around reading last six weeks in late summer. If you are going to chase them one by one, you won't catch many butterflies, right? So the next step for Ebright was to raise a flock of butterflies. Can you imagine? Close your mind and imagine a place full of colorful butterflies. Now Richard would catch a female monarch take her eggs and raise them in his basement through their life cycle from egg to caterpillar to pupa to adult butterfly. Then he would tag the butterflies' wings and let them go. For several years, his basement was home to thousands of monarchs in different stages of development. Can you imagine that? How beautiful. What a lovely way of learning. Eventually, Richard began to lose interest in tagging butterflies. I think this is something which all children do, right? They start losing interest. But it didn't stop here. Richard found it tedious and there wasn't much feedback. In all the time he did it, Richard laughs. Only two butterflies had been tagged and recaptured. And they were not more than 75 miles from where he lived that the butterflies had travelled. So now what does he do? Richard doesn't stop here. His journey doesn't end here. This was just the beginning. From here, the immense and long scientific journey of Richard A. Bright starts. When he was in the 7th grade, Richard got a hint of what real science is when he entered a county science fair. But unfortunately, he lost. But what does he learn from this? He says it was really a sad feeling to sit there and not get anything while everybody else had won something, Ebright says. His entry was slides of frog tissues which he showed under a microscope. Now after losing Richard learned something. Richard realized that winners had tried to do some real experiments not simply make a neat display. Already the competitive spirit had driven Richard E. Bright to a different field to do more research to study more to find out And he says, I knew that for the next year's fair, I would have to do a real experiment. The subject I knew most about was the insect work I had been doing in the past several years. So you see, he probably found, you know, looking for butterflies tedious because they didn't travel much. But it was just a beginning of another journey, of another scientific journey. So he wrote to Doctor Urquhart for ideas, and came back with a stack of suggestions for experiments. Those kept Abright busy all through high school and led to prize projects in county and international science fairs. For his eighth-grade project, Abright tried to find the cause of a viral disease that kills nearly all monarch caterpillars. Every few years. Now you see, his losing interest in the butterflies because they didn't travel much, did not end his journey, did not end his curiosity. His new project was about a viral disease that killed Monarch butterflies. A. thought the disease might be carried by a beetle. He tried raising caterpillars in the presence of beetles. I didn't get any real results, he said, but I went ahead and showed that I had tried the experiment and this time I won. The next year, Richard's science fair project was testing the theory that why butterflies copy monarchs. Now, in the animal kingdom, we do have insects and animals and birds that mimic others for survival, or for many other reasons. Now, what Richard says is, the theory was that viceroys look like monarchs because monarchs don't taste good to birds. Viceroys, on the other hand, do taste good to birds. So, the more they look like monarchs, the less likely they are to become a bird's dinner. How smart! A. Bright's project was to see whether, in fact, birds would eat monarchs. He found that a starling would not eat ordinary bird food. It would eat all the monarchs it could get. Abright said later research by other people showed that viceroys probably do copy the monarch. This project was placed first in the zoology division and third overall in the county science fair. In his second year in high school, Richard A. Bright began the research that led to his discovery of an unknown insect hormone. Indirectly, it also led to his new theory on the life of cells. So, now you see the research on butterfly is still in continuation to his rest of the projects. Now, you see, there are so many questions, and Abright, because he has such a curious mind, is always looking for answers. The question that Abright tried to answer was simple now What is the purpose of the 12 tiny gold spots on a monarch pupa? Everybody assumed the spots were just ornamental, Abright said, but Dr. Urquhart did not believe it. To find the answer, Richard and another excellent science student first had to build a device that showed that the spots were producing a hormone necessary for the butterfly's full development. This project won Ebright first place in the county fair and entry into the international science and engineering fair. There he won third place for zoology. He also got a chance to work during the summer at the Entomology Laboratory of the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research. As a high school junior, Richard Abright continued his advanced experiments on the Monarch pupa. Here we see that his journey on butterflies has not ended. That year, Richard's project won first place at the International Science Fair and gave him another chance To work in the army laboratory during the summer. In his senior year, he went a step further. Richard grew cells from a monarch's wings in a culture and showed that the cells would divide and develop into normal butterfly wing skills only if they were fed the hormone from the gold spots. That project won first place for zoology at the International Fair he spent the summer after graduation doing further work at the Army Laboratory and at the Laboratory of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The following summer, after his freshman year at Harvard University, Abright went back to the Laboratory of the Department of Agriculture and did more work on the hormone from the gold spots. Using the lab's sophisticated instruments, Richard was able to identify the hormone's chemical structure. A year and a half later, during the junior year, Abright got the idea for his new theory about cell life. It came while he was looking at X-ray photo of the chemical structure of a hormone. When he saw those photos, Richard did not shout, "Reka!" or even I've got it. Richard believed that, along with his findings about insect hormones, the photos gave him the answer to one of biology's puzzles, how the cell can read the blueprint of its DNA. Imagine the entire journey from the butterflies, the caterpillars, the pupa. And now we talk about cells and blueprint of its DNA. Now, DNA is the substance in the nucleus of a cell that controls heredity. It determines the form and function of the cell. Thus, DNA is the blueprint for life. I am sure you will agree with me that scientists are extremely hardworking. Richard A. Bright and his college roommate James R. Wong worked all that night drawing pictures and constructing plastic models of molecules to show how this could happen. Together, they later wrote the paper that explained the theory Now, that takes us to the theory that we were talking about in the beginning. Remember, Richard H. Abright and his college roommate explained the theory in an article in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. Now, surprisingly, no one who knew him, Richard Abright graduated from Harvard with highest honors, second in his class of 1510 students. Abe Wright went on to become a graduate student researcher at Howard Medical School. There, he began doing experiments to test his theory. If the theory proves correct, it will be a big step towards understanding the processes of life. It might also lead to new ideas for preventing some types of cancer and other diseases. All of this is possible. Because of Richard's scientific curiosity, his high school research into the purpose of these spots on a monarch pupa eventually led him to his theory about cell life. Richard E. Bright has been interested in science since he first began collecting butterflies, but not so deeply that he hasn't had the time for other interests. Richard E. Bright also became a champion debater and public speaker and also a good canoeist and all-round outdoors person. He is also an expert photographer, particularly of nature and scientific exhibits. In high school, Richard a. Bright was a straight A grade student. Because learning was easy, Richard turned a lot of his energy towards the debating, and model united nations clubs he also found someone to admire richard a y hire his social science teacher and advisor to both clubs mr y was the perfect person for me then richard says he opened my mind to new ideas what does the teacher say richard would always give that extra effort what pleased me was here was this person who put in three or four hours at night doing debate research besides doing all his research with butterflies and his other interests richard was competitive this is what his teacher says so mr vairaira says but not in a bad sense he explains richard wasn't interested in winning for winning sake or winning to get a prize. Rather, he was winning because he wanted to do the best job he could for the right reasons. He wants to be the best. So, Richard wants to be the best for the right reasons. And that is one of the ingredients in the making of a scientist. When you do something for the right reason, Start with a first-rate mind, add curiosity and mix in the will to win for the right reasons. Richard A. Bright has these qualities. From the time the book The Travels of Monarch X opened the world of science to him, Richard A. Bright has never lost his scientific curiosity.